Welcome to the Denzel Christian Mission Podcast. We know for certain that you will be edified. And now, the message. Okay, we're having challenges with the uh, projection, but um, I'm sure the technical crew will get their acts together and then we'll be up and running. But I'm not going to wait for them. Uh, somebody gives you a one naira note. Another person gives you a one dollar note. What would be your first reaction to that? You have one dollar bill, one naira bill. What will be your reaction? Be as truthful as you can, because we are about to learn. All right? You will appreciate one dollar. Why will you appreciate the one dollar? The value of it, okay? The value of it, okay? You can afford to rumple the one Naira note because your salary is much more than that anyway. So one Naira, who cares about one Naira? What can it buy? But one dollar, in one dollar you see 525 Naira. And you imagine what that can do. It can take you home. Local transport, whereas one naira cannot. So you can afford to abuse the naira because of its value. Okay? All right? Can understand. If I wear your shoes, I probably would do the same. I said probably because I know a little better. All right. Now, let's suppose that God created you a one naira note. He created you as a one naira note. Let none of you say, no, mba. that can never be me, never, Lord, no. Supposing God created you a one naira note, that could be your perception about yourself and the perception of others about you because you have failed severally. Um, your circumstances of birth are not anything to go about. Nobody in your family has triumphed beyond a particular limit with all the prayers, with all the fasting, with all the preparations. And you look in the mirror, you see a one error note. What will you do with you? What will you do with you? You see one narrow note. What will you do with you? The things you have touched had not worked. Your head of department does not like you. Uh, your family has written you off as one of those, one of the numbers. That's all. So what do you do with you? You will do. You will work on yourself. Somebody said, "I will work on myself." All right. You will add value to yourself. Wow. Okay. If she will change her mindset about herself. Okay. What else will you do with you? 
she will desire something greater and pursue change. Okay, what else? Act differently, maybe. Any problem? Okay, uh, I'm sorry you won't get projection in the first presentation, but I believe you will get projection in the second. All right, you will become the, you are the one narrow note. You can do either of two things. If you discover that you are one narrow note, you can disrespect the one naira and then go on the path of self-destruction. But you can respect the one naira note and advance yourself. But come to think of it, a billion naira is a billion times one naira note. So who is afraid of being a one naira note? A nobody uncelebrated, unheralded, unnoticed. Mom insists that I tell you a couple of stories that she had had me, you know, told. My father was very generous. He had um, five wives and 20 children. Um, and we all started as Muslims until 1976 when I was 18 going to 19 I became a Christian but before then we lost all self-esteem because dad will look at you straight in the eyes and call you names I remember at the age of 8 I woke up to mom and I asked him please who is my mom who is my father and my mom was shocked. My mom is 97 now, 
She's unlearned, unschooled, but she has been to America three or four times. <laughs> because she gave birth to a lovely son who she never imagined would become any person of importance. But listen to this. So I said, Mom, who is my father? My father, my mother said, why did you ask that? I said, because Mom, Dad will always say you are a bastard child. So a bastard that I know is somebody who came from another father that is not the father that is talking at, at that particular time. And my mother laughed. It's play, play. Your father that is, he just plays with words. And for an eight-year-old, I couldn't imagine that that would be a good thing to play about. So you can imagine what my self-esteem was like entering school looking down on myself and imagining that I could not amount to anything. I got to secondary school, which is not a posh school like this, a state school in Ibadan. And um, I was so uneasy because the school had had the best result in Western region a year before I got there. So that particular year, there were so many students who came from other top schools, primary schools, from across the southwest, as well as somebody, about a couple of, or two, a couple of them from East Central. And so I got to this school and everybody was speaking good English. I remember the first person, I still remember David Ajiboye. He lives in Lagos here. And David said, excuse me, man, I cannot see the board properly. And I was imagining, how could he twist his tongue like that? Was some, something wrong with his mouth? Huh? Ah, I said, I'm in trouble. Oh. There's no way I can survive in this school. Because I was still in the, in the category of those calling saucy instead of church. Sukuru instead of school. I cope? How will I cope in this school? So I was browbeaten. I actually began to work like I was I didn't belong. So they gave us the first composition and I scored nine out of ten because I had a good handwriting and I had a good understanding of English language, but I couldn't speak it. I couldn't pronounce words effectively well. After I scored nine, I said, oh, all these Lagos boys must have scored 10 over 10. I was still annoyed with myself that I scored nine. Until, after some time, I was bold enough to look at their papers, at the exercise book, and I saw four. I saw six. I saw seven. Ah, I said, all of you. So you can only speak English. You cannot write English. I said, all of you, what's out for me? What's out for me? I said, in two years, I will be better English speaker than all of you. But you could see passion from the eyes of a little child. A child that saw a limitation, but with that limitation, he also saw an opportunity. It was a better English writer. 
That was probably the only thing he had. So if you think you have only one talent, you are not multi-talented, you are not gifted. You are not like one person who sings beautifully, who plays the guitar, who is spiritual, who has a good wife or a good husband, and has lovely children. So many things seem to be happening well for him or her. And you look down at yourself and said, I'm right here. Think again. Do you know what happened thereafter? Because I began to value myself, I began to add to myself. I knew I was already good in sciences, I was good in social studies, I was good in mathematics, I was good in every other subject. The only thing was English. And not just English, the oral English. The written English was banned. That could earn me nine out of ten. And I had one of the best handwritings in the school. So I had one or two things going on well for me, but majority of other areas I was not very good. I began to learn 10 new words every day as a 12-year-old. I began to learn how to pronounce them because they started teaching us phonetics. And the rest is history, as they say. I'm an engineer, but I make the bulk of my money doing what I'm doing today. And I've spoken in four continents of the world, 60 nations of the world still counting. And I've been asked a thousand and one times, did you school in Harvard? I said, yes, but the name was not Harvard when I was in school. What was the name? We don't think Harvard has changed its name because actually there were two of them. One is called the University of FIFA. Then one is called the University of Lagos. So maybe the name has changed now to Harvard, I don't know, but those... You mean, which way is this? Uh, Ife is in the southwest Nigeria. And Lagos, okay, we know Lagos. Okay, Lagos is the capital, oh no, no, the commercial center of Nigeria. And uh, you went to university there, I said, yes. That's not Harvard. Oh, you said it is Harvard. I did say it was Harvard. <laughs> because they just can't marry a local boy from Ibado who could not speak English now mesmerizing a crowd of people who are supposed to be good custodians of English language. Of course, in three years after that incident with my colleagues, I became the school's orator, representing the school in quizzes and debates and the girls liked me. <laughs> the same girls that would not dance with me, they began to say, I would like to have a dance with you. Having just collected a laurel at the Literary and Debating Society, which girl would not want to dance with you? Before, 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 before. If I went to any girl and said, can I have the opportunity of a dance with you? They just look at you and then wait for the smarter guys. And I became the smarter guy. Every one billionaire starts from a naira. What you have by the grace of God is one unit that can be multiplied severally. 
The goal of our time together is for you to be more, to be better. You cannot remain stagnant and expect windfalls. You've got to build your capacities. You've got to elope with that one unit that you have. Flee from the crowd of naysayers and come back with vital resources which you have acquired and skills that you have acquired and let the same people look at you straight in the eyes and say is Saul also one of the prophets because they just can handle you you've been transformed changed all my life I have one passion to be a continuous learner. I do not intend to become an expert in anything. My goal is never to have a limit to learning for myself, but to always work on me until I'm able to learn on a continuous basis. If somebody says, you are not, something is wrong with you, and another person repeats it, another person repeats it, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep working on myself. I wish you could see my slides. They are pretty good slides. I know because God has helped me over the years. But do you know, I went to an organization in the U.S. to do a training. They had invited 17 airgates from about uh, 12 countries. And where we were in the audience, and I thought... I was a good person, and everybody brought out their laptop. But since then, I've never had a laptop. I, I, I knew about laptop, but it was too expensive for me to carry. The only one somebody gave to me was an antiquated one, so if I brought it, it would weigh down my luggage. <laughs> so I left it in Nigeria. So I got to Hawaii, the 50th state of United States, and these other guys brought out their laptops, and they were using PowerPoint. And I said, since my mother bought me, I've never used PowerPoint before. They said, you have to use PowerPoint here because people have to see and hear at the same time. And then I went to Johnny, a Japanese, and I said, Johnny, will you teach me how to use PowerPoint? He must be five years younger than me. And he looked at me and said, Abby, Abiodun is what they call Abby. Is too, Abiodun is too short, so they started to elongate it and make it Abby. said, Abby, you mean I, you don't use PowerPoint? I know. And that's the beauty of a person who is learning. When you are ignorant, please do you accept that you are ignorant? When you don't know, can you say I don't know? So that you can know. When somebody complains about the quality of your work, don't defend it. Don't defend the poor quality. They say you are late. And you say, got a reason. You are late. <laughs> Accept. And you were late yesterday, so you were late day before. I say every of those days there were circumstances that led to being late. Oh, but you were late last week too. All right. Now you have already seen a pattern. 
then deal with it, okay? Accept and deal with it. Guess what happened? I flew from, um, from uh, Hawaii into Chicago and I had preaching engagements in a couple of churches and I canceled them. I said, I'm sorry, I won't be able to come. And I spent one month that I was supposed to spend after the program in Hawaii learning how to use PowerPoint. Do you know in three years, I became so well equipped in that area that I was teaching professors of computer how to use PowerPoint. I was so skilled. And organizations around the world were paying me to teach their staff how to use PowerPoint. So, what do you call a handicap? You call it a handicap, or it might just be the way to developing skills. And people can turn, and people have turned, and people are turning handicaps into strength. My handicap was English. Now it is my strength. Every handicap can become a strength. So, when you think that you have a challenge that you cannot overcome, you lie to yourself. Because indeed you can. Say, I can. <laughs> the choice is always yours. And you can do a lot. The truth of the matter is that you are a value of creation. You are a creation of value, rather. You are a creation of value. A great value for that matter, great value. This is one of the things that have challenged me and have helped me to keep improving myself. If you see yourself like a, like a Mercedes-Benz car, the latest Mercedes-Benz car, will you ride roughshod on Nigerian roads? Will you, will you uh, bump into every hole? Will you? Ah, then that would be great. Now, these guys are smarter than me. Can I give you two minutes to do that? I have Zoom. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. So I will just talk randomly until they are able to solve that. They are creating another opportunity for us to be able to do that. They will use Zoom meeting, and then we will Zoom on the right. So, if you are a creation of value, you are going to handle yourself carefully. If you have a Beetle car, and the Beetle, the Beetle has a mind of its own. You know the kind of Beetle that you will get into a place. Does anybody remember Beetle? The, the, the brow, the, 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 the worn out, the beaten beetle. If you have a beetle and it's 25 years old, the way you would drive it would, would be different from a 2021 Mercedes. Isn't that so? Because you'll be careful. You will tell your children not to pour anything on, the, on it. You will clean it properly. It depends on the way you value yourself. If you value yourself so very much, you're going to train yourself, build yourself, 
continue to advance yourself. And God said, I have created you special. And it's in Jeremiah. You remember the, 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 um, the word of the Lord to Jeremiah? He said, before, before you were born, I knew you. I formed you and I separated you. One translation says, I sanctified you. Sanctification means separation. You separate from the crowd. And then I appointed you a prophet unto the nations. So you could see the sequence here. God formed you. He knew you before he formed you. That is, you are not, you didn't just happen. You are not an accident of history. You are not just a mere number. I'm going to tell you what this did to me, hoping that it would do the same thing to you. You are not just a mere number. Then he said, I separated you from the pack. I sanctified you. That means I made you different from every other person. And then I appointed you. Now look at the sequence. So that you can you can you can make up your mind whether to continue to despise your one naira note or to multiply it many times over. I was in the university when this dawned on me. And I looked at myself, I said, everybody had been saying that I am not handsome. You know, marks on my face because my mother gave birth to six children that, that died, no, no, uh, I mean, four children that died in quick succession before me. So they called me an abiku. So they took me to one local area in Ibadan where I was born. And then they made all these marks on my face. And they made so much marks, not only on my face, but all about my body, that I was scared that one day, after I've gotten married, and I will be alone in the room with my wife on honeymoon, I will have to remove my dress, and then she will see all the marks, and she will say, hey, help! Did, did the lion do this to you? I didn't know this. If only I knew. Oh, but now I'm stuck. As the priest left, so I was scared. So I was looking for the the malleable girls to marry, the one that you will go to, and they will be eternally grateful that you have gotten to them, because no other person was going to them. But that changed after I read this verse of the scripture. I formed you. I knew you. I separated you from the pack. I empowered you. Then I told myself, yeah, this mark is my insignia. God put his mark there. And said, Beardo, you're going to carry this all through your life. And that will be a thing of beauty for you. Oh my goodness. I began to walk tall. 
and I began to grow rapidly. And people who did not like me before began to like me because I liked myself already. And that changed everything, my story. When they said a sister was tough and difficult, it was a hard, she, she's a hard nut to crack. Uh, and I'll say, sister, how are you doing? My name is Abiodun Fijabi. I hope you're doing fine. The goal is not to marry her, it's to open her up to the world so that she could see that there's a better world out there than for you to put your nose up there. <laughs> open up. And I ended up marrying one of the best species of human womanhood. You know, the reason, the reason is that, I mean, you can imagine, there were four competitors that I had. Four! Each of them more handsome, each of them richer than me. And I still nailed her. And she said, I didn't know what hit me. You just came like a thunderbolt, like a, like a bolt out of the blue. And I was just so confused. And I began to write poems about you. The others were giving me money. And the others were just taking me out for lunch. You never took me out once for lunch. But you were there when I needed you and when I didn't need you. You would just appear. And your smile was disarming. And then you were so confident about yourself. What will you say? So, if you value yourself, what will you do? If you value yourself highly, what will you do? If you value yourself dearly, what do you do? If you value yourself dearly, what will you do with yourself? Project it, advance it, grow it, work on it. When people say you have a problem in an area, uh, what did you guys do? Oh, no, no. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Can, can you give me something for my power? Once you can do that, I will come to your, when you name your seventh child. How many have you had already? Hey, Kalamashi. How will, I, how will I change it? Will, they, will this work? Okay, all right then. All right, could you put that there? Let me see. It's not responding yet? How do I switch this on? Is it responding? Can you do it for me then or something? Okay, it's working. Is it the down arrow? Okay. So let's see what happens. All right, it's not responding. Can you do it for me? Okay. All right, that's the one Naira. Can you do it for me? Okay, 
if God had created you one night, what would you do to you? I asked that question. Uh, remember, a billion naira begins with a naira, okay? I think we have been able to resolve that. Then you decide, the choice is yours. You respect yourself and you self-advance. We have talked about this. You disrespect yourself and you self-destroy yourself, okay? And then we said you are a creation of value, all right? You have been created to solve problems. And then I showed you this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. You were set apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. So you could see that I formed you. You are not an afterthought. I set you apart. You have been set apart. I appointed you. You have been given an assignment, you know, and so on and so forth. All right? You need the right attitude to be all that God has destined you to be. Hallelujah. Okay? All right? So you need to develop the winning attitudes to be able to be better and to be more. And how can you do this? Very easy. Because attitude is everything. You've got to develop the right attitude. Somebody actually said it here in this column. I don't know whether it was you, madam. You said, I will change my attitude if I discover that I didn't have what others had. And people look down on me, and I also look down on me, how would I would develop the, a new attitude. And that's the way to go. Okay? So you've got to develop the new attitude. Okay, is it working better now? Okay. You want to give me another one? All right, let's see the way this works. Okay? All right. So, sorry, bear with us. Okay. Is that okay? All right. An attitude refers to a set of emotions, beliefs, and behaviors towards a particular object, person, thing, or event. Attitudes are often the result of experience or upbringing, and they can have a powerful influence on behavior. Now, why was my attitude, what, what, what gave rise to my attitude, my background? I came from downtown Ibadan, the local area of Ibadan. You know, the, the Ibadan people, as most people would say, are Raz. But the people in Ibadan, local area, C1, central, are even much more as. And that's where I came from, the local area. And my attitude was formed because the bulk of people I saw were butchers and taxi drivers. Do you know what my first vision was? As a boy, I wanted to become a, first of all, I wanted to become a conductor, a bus conductor, because I liked it. Do be, do be, do be, do be, do be, do be. And they had opportunity. They had opportunity to keep some money back. They had opportunity to keep some money back from their orgasm. And then they would carry girls in the middle in the evening. Some of the things that they are, the drivers could not do. And eventually I wanted to be a taxi driver. A taxi driver. Another time I went to a restaurant and I discovered one man who bought uh, a bag. 
half a penny and beef one shilling. So you can imagine half a penny. Half a penny is uh, half of a cobble. And uh, 12, cobbles, 12, 12 pennies make one shilling. And the guy had beef, what one shilling, all over the place. That would be like somebody having beef of about 10,000 naira and uh, a bar of uh, five naira. You know, the smaller bar, but with large portion of uh, beef. So I asked around, what kind of thing does it do? What does it do? They said, is it trailer driver? So I went home, I said, I know what I would like to become. I would like to be a trailer driver. I mean, the environment shaped my attitude. I'm sure I knew didn't never thought about being a taxi driver. <laughs> because it's, some, a lot of you here didn't think about being a taxi driver because you grew up in a different circumstance. But after I began to change and alter the attitude, okay? So, attitude is everything. It's important that we know that. Attitude is it. What is that attitude? Attitude is, you know, is that thing you installed knowingly or unknowingly. Sometimes you may not be conscious of it. But you are the person who installed that attitude. It could be, it could sometimes could be uh, bestowed on you by reason of what others have said. But in a way, once you accept the attitude, you are responsible for it. So you have the limits which you have set, and those limits are yours until you alter them. And I'm going to show you in the scripture why you need to change that. Ultimately, your attitude defines you. It determines your responses to issues of life and under you know, and under God, your life's advances. You can't advance beyond your attitude. If you find out that there are limitations in your life, you just need to find out the attitudes that under God your life and alter those attitudes. That is the way to be more. That is the way to be better. Okay? So... It is why you win or fail. Whether you are going to win or fail would determine, would be determined by the attitude that you have. May the Lord help us. Now, your attitude matters a lot. Remember the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. I have wondered out loud why God, if he wants to change your life, will first of all change your attitude. He wanted to alter the course of Jacob and God didn't find anybody to work with who would assist him to be able to change the life of Jacob. You know Jacob now, you know he took Esau's position and he was very diplomatic and diabolical. God didn't God looked at Reuben and couldn't do anything with Reuben and all the other ones. And ultimately, he went to pick one of the last, Joseph. And Joseph began to report the big brothers to their father and to their mother. And then 
he began to dream. Whereas his older brothers were molesting girls in the community and dishonoring the Lord, Joseph was doing something differently. And God saw a different attitude in him and God used that to advance the entire clan. So if God wants to do you good, he will first of all change your attitude because your attitude will limit you. Be careful how you think, the Bible says, because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. That's what the Bible says. And that is so real. I'm always conscious of the way I'm thinking. Your thoughts forge and sustain your attitude. I have this idea that there is nothing that God and I cannot do. I am so confident of that. So confident of that. So that when I'm faced with challenges, I know that we can overcome. I'm a public speaker and trainer. I'm also a school owner, like I own a school like this. Not as big as this, but we are working on it. And when I had faced challenges and difficulties in running any of my businesses, I never imagined that there was a problem that we would not be able to overcome. Never. And the reason is because I have, over the years, developed the right attitudes. I always believed that there would be a provision for me in ways that I cannot understand. Once I was held up in London without money. And here was I, getting to the airport late. The first thing I did was to connect back to my father and my king. I said, Lord, I am in this situation because I disobeyed you. I said, I bow before you, the God of heaven. With tears in my eyes, I ask for forgiveness. After I asked for forgiveness, I knew the coast was clear. It will rise up for me. The only thing that will hinder me from assessing his throne will be the dirt around my body. And the dirt has been cleaned. Whatever the dirt was, it could be unbelief, it could be lack of faith, it could be whatever, it could be any kind of sin. But now it was clear. Do you know I was in the taxi and I knew I'd already missed the flight. And I had just about 150 about 100 pounds to my name. And those days there were no credit cards, no debit card. I got to the airport and I smiled at the lady at the reception. And I said, good afternoon. He said, good afternoon, you must be a very happy man. I said, yes, I am. I said, but I've just missed my flight. He said, no, you are the only person in the world that will miss his flight and will still be smiling. I said, well, because I know there will be a miracle. All right, let's check. Now, can I have your boarding pass? He got it. He said, that would be two, uh, 250 pounds now, or 150 pounds, uh, which you have to pay for us to be able to alter your ticket. I said, I don't have. He said, well, then bring out your card. I said, well, we don't have cards in Nigeria. So we have a stalemate now. How are you going to go? And I said, there will be a way. And she looked at me and said, but why are you so confident? 
I said, well, I know there will be a way. He said, well, but not a way with me. I'm sorry. I said, can I speak to your supervisor? And then she went in like for about five, seven minutes, came back and looked at me straight in the eyes and said, who are you? I said, well, I don't know what you mean. He said, well, my supervisor said I should put you on the next flight without collecting any money. Uh, so she gave me the boarding pass and I put it in my pocket. And I said, lady, what did you tell your supervisor? He said, do you really want to know? I said, please tell me because it's going to help me. He said, my supervisor said, go back and collect money. That's what the rules say. Then I had to tell my supervisor, you have to be the one to go and tell that man because he's too happy <laughs> for me to break the bad news to him. <laughs> I said, thank you. Thank you so very much. I'm honored. With Almost with tears in my eyes, I could see the way God worked. There will always be a way. Always. I will always be, attract new skills that I need to be able to be a better person. Let me give you one, uh, one other instance before I move on. I got to Baptist Academy here in this city after I finished my, uh, my, 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 first, my service and I was doing my master's in Unilag, so I decided to get a job, so uh, the state government gave me a job with Baptist Academy. And the, the Ghanaians were there then, teaching physics, chemistry, mathematics, and uh, so they were looking down on us Nigerians, because they were paying them poorly. It, they were cheap labels, the economy was down. I'm talking about the early 80s. And then, all of a sudden, the economy began to improve, and the Ghanaians left. And I was crossed with A-level physics students, A-level mathematics. And I had only one year experience in youth service as a teacher. Guess what happened? I threw my life into it, believing I could do it. Nobody failed physics. Nobody failed A-level mathematics. Not on my watch. A few weeks, a few months after that, it was another admission process and everybody wanted to come to Baptist Academy. They said there is one crazy maths physics teacher. The only thing, don't tell the head of department, was that I could not write lesson notes. I didn't know how to do that. So I will only take a small piece of paper containing examples in my finger, I'll just hold it like this, and drop the note on my, from, from my memory. <laughs> so they call me crazy teacher. And I never ran foul of the law because they would never come to me at that wrong time. Because I just, how would I, the methodology, I was so confused. I didn't know any of those things. And they never taught us how to do it. So how come you expect me to be able to do it? Do you know, everybody passed. So when they were coming, by that time I'd gotten a job with a corporate body and I was going to be a brand manager very soon of a big conglomerate in Nigeria. And the, but my time had not expired. And the principal called the, ah, he said, ah, all of you students coming in, ah, I pity you. 
He said it in Yoruba. You are all in trouble because the, the miracle worker is on his way out. I have heard teachers tell me the students are not just good. If they are good, they will understand it. Do you know, research has shown that 80% of the problem of the student failing is with the teacher. 80%. With the right attitude, the kids can understand mathematics. They can scale every physical world, every geography world. If the teacher develops the right attitude, look, with prayers, everything that I've gotten on the inside of me, those kids passed. They passed. Nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. Nothing. Look at this. You can see this guy with two faces. One is happy, one is sad. That's exactly what attitude does for us. And it's all about you. This is something that I wrote years ago on my Facebook wall. And I'm going to read it to you. Life has two faces. The beautiful and the ugly. Life is a, a responder and not an initiator or a, detract or a dictator. Life responds to your circumstances. Responds not to your circumstances but your attitude towards them. Life waits on the wings until you dictate your attitude to a situation. Life then responds with a corresponding face that matches your attitude. Ugly for ugly, beautiful for beautiful. In essence, you choose your own life. It will seem that God has given you an enormous power to be the initiator or the dictator of the life you wish to live. Come on, folks. Enough of saying... I am not privileged. I have limitations. If I had not given back to that girl out of wedlock, ah, ah, my life would be better now. Ah, if I've not married my wife, ah, oh, I wonder where I would be now. Oh, but I'm stuck. Hey, I am not stuck. I have only one child, a girl. My friends have four, five. I'm 64. Most of my friends are grandfathers now. My daughter is not married yet. I am no stock. <laughs> stock? Come on. For years, my friends and I, when I was... Uh, not very my mind was not well renewed we said we were going to build our first houses at 35 all of us missed it but the first of us got got the house at 40 at 39 40 and then a lot of them 45 i got mine at 52 but before then things had changed i was no longer in the right race i was just about being the best I could be. I'm not asking you for more. I'm not asking you to become another dancer or owner. 
I'm not asking you to become the richest man in the world, but you can become the best you can be. And you can always be improving on yourself. And guess what? Don't ever compare yourself to others. Otherwise, that would be stupid. <laughs> and when somebody looks down on you because you are not like them, just walk away and say, oh, if only you know who I am. <laughs> if only you know. Why must I be like you? Two of us would be a terrible thing. You know? The problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude towards the problem. Any challenge you face is not the real challenge. It's your attitude towards that challenge. So, just forget it. Did you hear me? Just forget it. Your limits are not determined by others or things. This school does not determine your limits. How about people say, they are giving me 100,000, I will work 100,000. Hallelujah. <laughs> they are paying me 200,000, I will give them 200,000. If they can increase my salary, I will give them more. No, I will give everything that I've got to anything that I have to do because otherwise I will be accustomed to mediocrity. I will be accustomed to average. And when I need to unleash the entire arsenals of what God has given to me, it will be lacking. So I want to walk beyond the call of my duty. I want to swat over preparations for every class. I want to swat to make sure that every child becomes born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to work hard to ensure that no child is left behind. I want to work on myself continuously. There was a teacher in my school who always had challenges with, with parents. And everybody was complaining about him. And by the time I finished talking to him and I said, young man, what do you think is responsible? Of course, he blamed the parents. <laughs> we always blame others. Think others are responsible. By the time I finished with him, he began a process of altering his life. And in the process became the doyen of, of, of parents. The first person parents wants to speak to. The life changed continually. Com Radically. The beautiful thing about life is that change is still in the dictionary. You can alter the course of your life with God on your side. So some people blame it on circumstances of bad. Come on, forget it. Don't. Blame it on circumstances of birth. Some people place it on failure rate. I have failed several times. That's why. <laughs> Everything I touch just didn't work. <laughs> if I have accepted failure as, as part and parcel of me now, because in fact, I, I don't just fail. I am a failure. Okay, then I can distribute prayer points. To different player parts from please pray for me or pray for me. Huh. Come on, wake up. Let me tell your neighbor, wake up. Come on. Give me what kind of thing is that? Failure rate. 
because your failure rate. Do you know what uh, a one-time Prime Minister of Britain said about failing? He said success is failing several times without losing enthusiasm. Success is failing several times without losing enthusiasm. That is, you fail and you bounce back and you say, come on, let's do it again. You fail again, you say, come on, let's do it again. Uh, come on, some people say, it is lack of talent. I don't get talent. Oh yeah, you just, like a beautiful job, you didn't have talent, you could not speak English. You know, but there are, the truth of the matter is you lie when you say you don't have talent. You, make, you just have one, two. Others have many, but you know you can capitalize on those that you have. You know, you know what I keep telling people? I am one man. I'm going to be 17, six years, God willing, if Jesus had not arrived. And I already have the title of the book that I'm written. The man with only one talent. My only talent is the one that didn't come to me naturally. Ability to speak. And I developed it. It didn't come naturally. And every other talent that I've developed, I've taken a root from that one talent, which was an offshoot of shame and agony that I passed through because I didn't have that talent. Talents can be developed, and talents are not alone, are not, are, not, are not sufficient to take you out. Because you're going to see here a lot of other things that you need to do. Lack of talent. And then, <coughs> some people say enemies. There are enemies of progress. My colleagues are my enemies. My children are my enemies. My husband. My friend. Come on. Enemy. Eh? Long, long. Ah, who has delivered you from the power of the darkness and has translated you into the kingdom of his own dear son in whom you have light and the light in you is the light of man and like Jesus your light shines in the dark and darkness cannot comprehend it are you still thinking enemies ah uh, when I became Christian newly at the age of 18 as a Muslim, and my mother was saying that there were so many people against you, and my father said I should bring my head so that he could make more incisions on top of the one that they have already done. And I said, Papa, I can't do that anymore. And then I tried to explain to him that as a Christian, I don't need that anymore. But uh, my mother was the most difficult person to com convince, convince because she felt as the first child and the one that was doing well, uh, they would like to destroy me. So anytime one of the wives gave me money, my father, my mother would use handkerchief to collect that money from me, not wanting to touch it, and will replace it with a higher currency. If it is one cobble they gave me, it would give me two cobble, and then go and throw the money away. How, many mo how much money my mother threw away, I can't understand. By the time I became a Christian, I wasn't even telling her anymore. I would just collect the money like this. I would just collect the money. Who is going to stop me? They just saw me making progress. <laughs> Enemies, long, long. So you need to develop the right attitude. Look, 
I like to give you quick examples here in the scripture so you could see what we are talking about. If you look at the example of the children of Israel, they came with report. Different reports. Some of them said, okay, uh, when, they, when they went to look over, uh, 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 you know, not Canaan, uh, Jericho, said, oh, we had children of Anak there. And then Joshua and Caleb just said, no. They are a meat for us. God has given them to us. The right attitude. They solved the same challenges, but they had different attitudes towards them. And I like the way they said it. Those other ten. They said, we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we were like grasshoppers before their eyes. Before they saw you as grasshoppers, you had already seen yourself as grasshoppers. So, you've got to be careful. Look at David. Everybody saw Goliath, and they called him Goliath. The big one, the mighty one, the powerful one. When David came, what did David do? This uncircumcised Philistine. So you call your challenges unsolvable. Somebody comes to the scene and says, what is it? Bring the challenge. Jerry. What is it? What is it? Eh? Uh, this one. This one. Uh, this one. And he goes ahead to solve it. And you say, ah, it's so simple. It is the attitude that is speaking. And Goliath described the children of Israel. The way he wanted to describe them. He said, you people are servants of Saul. And you people are just armies of Israel. And David knew that that was not a good description of himself. So David did not describe himself as the army, as army of Saul or army of Israel. He said, armies of the living God. So you've got to define yourself well and define your circumstances well. They say your, your students are not are failing exams. You said, it is because, uh, it is because, you can give a thousand and one reasons why that is so. People say you don't have panache. I mean, you dress well. Now you said, ha, dress does not make a, a man. Hey, if I were you, I would just change my attitude and invest a little money on equipping myself adequately. People say you don't smile. You are too, you frown your face a lot. Ah, if I were you, I would spend time before the mirror and begin to learn how to smile better <laughs> and get used to smiling. And then tell your wife or your husband at home and said, "Honey, anytime you see me frown my face, just give me something that will that will just help me. It will be tough before I can change you, but please help me. I want to smile some more." Do you know? I used to be a champion warrior and all of that changed. When my friend said that I was not smiling enough and I began to work on myself. Now I get into a situation people say, hey, have we met before? Have you ever smiled to people and they said, have we met before? And you say, no, you smile some more. <laughs> and smile makes people to like you. They want to deal with you. 
for God's sake, smile now. Hey, everybody. Thank you for smiling. To change your life, you need to change your attitude. Even God, even God, even God cannot go past your attitude. God cannot go past your attitude. He has to change your attitude first. I've told you about this story of Joseph. God had to give Joseph a different attitude. To bless the Gentiles, he had to give Peter a new attitude. Remember what he told Peter? Oh yeah, let down the sheep. Let down the sheep. Oh yeah, begin to eat. I'm, no, 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 I can't eat this. I'm not, I'm not into this kind of food. And God told him three times. And when Peter refused to carry the thing very well, God had to raise up an opposition. Because when Peter was eaten with the Gentiles, and some Jews now came from Jerusalem. He saw them, and he quickly ran away. Quickly washed his hands. I goes, uh, no, I can't use this. I've tried to change this guy's attitude, but he has not. I've not succeeded. Let me go and recruit from opposition. And God, God, Paul, called Saul. Think about it. Why does God have to go and recruit from opposition? That means if God fails to change your attitude. God will get a replacement for you. May God not replace you. Amen. So, to, uh, to, to advance, you will need to change your attitude. Everybody. And the question is, are you ready for an attitude in a change? Unfortunately, a lot of us feel trapped. We do not want to change. So we get trapped by what the people of the world are saying and the world seems to have put all of us in a box. Hey, I pray for you today that the Lord, that you will not be trapped. And if you are trapped, you will be freed up this afternoon in the name of Jesus so that your life would be a thing of beauty and a joy to behold. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. People have already looked at you and they have already predetermined how far you will go. Don't allow them. I beg you. Several years ago, I was invited to speak to a group of millionaires, Christian millionaires, somewhere in the Kaja here, <laughs> very close to you here. And um, my economy was bad at that time, so I came by by bus to uh, K2 and then I decided to take a taxi to Ikeja from K2 at least so that they will, I will appear big and I was in my best dress my wife selected it now I got to Awolowo and I now discovered that there was a heavy traffic and I don't like coming late to events but Aromire was free except that Aromire was one way at that time and Aromire, there was, uh, there, there, there was no movement from, the, uh, from uh, Awolowo to Ladipo. Is it Ladipo? What do they call it? Uh-huh. Okay? So, but Aromire connects the two. But there were Okadas. So I jumped on Okada. He it, it just did a two-minute walk, collected his money, 
and I asked him to drop me off about 100 meters away from the venue so that nobody would see me getting off Okada. And I didn't know that one of them already saw me. So I walked towards the place and there were Christians and it was a Christian event but there were Christian businessmen, top guys, but one of them knew me so they asked me to come and speak to them. So you know where they put me? They put me at the back of the hall where the personal assistants, the drivers were seated. And I sat down there because location does not make a man now. Eh? Uh-uh. Oh, how can you determine my future for me? If you look down on me and I don't look down on myself, then I'm not down now. So I sat down, cooler, and they were looking for their speaker. And I saw the secretary, Mr. Fijabi doesn't come late to an event. Mr. Fijabi doesn't come late to an event. He doesn't. No, that's not his nature. And then his eyes caught me where I was seated. Then he said, how long have you been here? I said, I've been here for 40 minutes. Oh my God, who asked you to sit down there? I said, somebody thought that this is where I belong. It was the same guy who took me to the back, who now took me to the front. After we were done, he said, can you become my mentor, sir? He said, why were you not disappointed when I asked you to sit down? I said, nobody can pull me down without my permission. I've got to permit you. So if, you, if, you, if I don't permit you, then I'm never down. And I will not make noise about who I am or anyone because I know too well that if anybody says, uh, do you know who you are talking to, then you are nobody. If you have to describe yourself before people know you, then you are nobody. Why don't you let them find out about you? Hallelujah. Okay. So you need to develop a new attitude. You need to define yourself appropriately. You need to define your problem just like David did. And then you need to develop the mind of Christ. When we think like him, it becomes easy for us. Hey, there are, there are areas where I'm not humble, my brothers and my sisters. I am not humble when I know the word of God. There was a time my economy tanked and my wife was crying. And my wife started beating me in the middle of the night. No, no, not beating like uh, the wife beating. She said, Daddy, you too cry now. You too cry now. There is no money for our only child to eat. I said, I said, eh. I said, I cannot cry. I said, why now? Did you eat the head of uh, uh, tortoise? I said, no. I said, once I know the end, there will be no tears. He said, what end? I said, so, hello, girl. I'm going to take you around the world. I'm going to show you the nations of the world. And she looked at me. Eh? I said, look, I said, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the hen that lays the golden egg. I'm the, I, 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 and I'm, I'm going to take you around the world. I'm going to tell people that you stood with me at a difficult time in my life. They said, stay with me, baby. Stay with me, baby. Never you leave this guy because you will never regret it for supporting it. He said, ah, now only mouth you get. <laughs> not get mouth when you have God the mind of Christ you know the end from the beginning and challenges 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 are the only way to grow 
So when I have problems, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't call pity party, and I don't ask uh, my pastor to pray for me. When I can pray for myself, the best I can do is to ask my pastor, "Can you stand with me, sir?" We are passing through difficulties. My wife and I are holding on to God in this area. Will you be, will you be kind enough to stand with me? I'm not going to join a queue and wait for. Uh, 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 a thousand people are on the queue waiting for a man of God to lay hands on them. When I have the Lord on the inside of me. Ah. And I won't allow a thousand people to gather in front of me too. I rather would teach them how to, how to be able to hand, handle their own issues themselves. There is enough room for all of us. I can of my own self do nothing. So that's what I, what, what I do. Now, I'd like you to look at this sign here. This is a Chinese sign for crisis. And it has two portions. One is red, the other one is green. The red typifies the uh, risk. The green typifies opportunity. That is, for every crisis you have, there is an opportunity content and there's a risk content. Okay, you are thrown into a class because somebody has just resigned and you are going to handle the class now and you begin to shake like Shakespeare. You go to tell it like five times within a space of one hour and you are saying, ah, Ulua, if you don't help me, I'm in trouble. And God's help is there because there is a risk factor but there is going to be the opportunity factor. By the time you cry unto the Lord, God will show you the opportunity. And that's what he keeps doing. So you have challenge, but don't see the challenge alone. See what? Opportunity. Because with your mind shift, you can take a leap from that challenge to the opportunity. Mind shift will give you the right attitude. Right attitude will inspire hope and self-belief which will make you take that leap. That's what everybody does that is successful. It doesn't just happen. Is that okay, everybody? Look at the word impossibility. Is it still in the dictionary? Yeah, it is. But can you use, can you take away the word I am from it? That is, take yourself away from impossibility. What do you have left? So can we all agree that we can kick it off and create possibility? That is, get yourself out of the matter and let God in. Let him, let him take care. And when he takes care, you are able to get yourself up and you are able to create a possibility mindset. Alright, impossibility becomes possibility. Let's close this session. Alright, so you need to constantly look at your mind audit. Audit your mind. Ask yourself questions. What kind of thing goes on in my mind? Alright. Look at this. The Bible says, give yourself regularly, regular checkups. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Message translation of the scripture. Sorry, you can't see the upper part. But don't worry, you will get I know we'll get the um, the, the slide and everybody can share it. Okay, now, prayerfully and systematically become aware of your destructive thoughts. You know, I am always constant, I'm constantly checking my thoughts to find out what thought patterns in my life 
are destructive because they help me to deal with myself. If I said I cannot scale a particular world and I find that those thoughts are prevalent, I don't go for deliverance. I just pray to God to help me change those destructive thoughts so that they won't rule my life. Note that they are often in your subconscious arena of your mind, in the construction arena of your mind. So oftentimes you don't even know that you are thinking about those thoughts. Can I tell you one quick story? About five years ago, I was invited to speak in Atlanta, uh, Georgia, US, and I was the only black man to be speaking to this group of almost 99% white folks. And they paid my way to arrive on Friday and to leave on Monday. So that would tell you it was, a, it was going to be a crazy schedule. I was going to spend Friday night, Monday night, Saturday night, three nights in the U.S. And because I had things doing in my Nigeria, I had to be back. So I just began to gloat about what God has done for me. As we were about to land in Atlanta, I said, Ah, you have exalted him up to this point. And I just felt the Lord just said, Keep quiet. For five years, I've been trying to get an idea across to you, and you have refused to hear me. And I'm not going to look for a replacement. Will you do this for me? I said, I don't even know what it is. He said, for the next three days, wait on me, and I'm going to show you. I was to be gloating. During those three days in Atlanta, I was so sober. I said, Lord, or five years, I didn't hear you. Oh, I thought I was a good man, though. I thought I was close enough to you. So you see, the, the way you have been defending yourself, I said, no, people say you are, you are very erratic. I said, I'm not erratic, I'm not erratic. And one person said it, two persons, three, four, uh, you are erratic. You are really, really erratic. Then do something about it. That was how God got my attention. And I began to alter those. So find out how did they start? What started them? For me, I knew the circumstances of my birth made me to feel that I would never amount to anything. Do you know what happened? I forgot to tell you. I became the first Fijabi person, home and abroad in the Ibadan, to become a university graduate. The first the very first the very first so you need to find out what triggers them what brings about these thoughts is it because you are afraid of challenges you are afraid of difficulties always find out what this is and then begin to work with God to deal with it so the first then you need to guard your mind. Always make sure that you guard it so that no, nothing that is evil will enter your heart. Nothing that is destructive will enter your heart. I beg of you, do yourself a favor. Guard your mind. Be careful what you think. Pull down strongholds of destructive thoughts in your life. And I want to look, I want to look at uh, a particular passage of the scriptures very well. You know, after you have pulled down strongholds of destructive uh, thoughts, now build strongholds of godly thoughts in you.
Let me show you this 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, which you have read many times, but I'd like you to see it from a different perspective. All right. For those of you who are right in front, can we read it together? One, two, go. To do what? Destroy strongholds, okay? We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle to the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So ultimately, can you see what we try to do? We take every thought captive. So we guard our mind. All right, let's look at the progression. Uh, pro progression. So we go from thoughts to arguments to proud obstacles to strongholds. So you see? Where you begin to allow little thought to come to you and then you now begin to uh to turn it into obstacle and before you know it you you make arguments in support of that thought i am poor i can never be rich nobody will like me people don't like me until it becomes strongholds so if you want to reverse it you have to start from the thought of a game. Because you cannot change a thought pattern. Pattern, really. You can only replace it with a different set of thought patterns. That's why it's difficult for people drinking, to stop drinking, because they want to stop drinking and do nothing else. You've got to find something else to do, apart from drinking. Otherwise, you will continue to drink. So what do you need to do? So. Look at strongholds, so start from thoughts, build new obstacles based on the word of God, and make sure you barricade your mind so that no evil thought comes in. And then you now make a strong argument for why you need to think in a particular way. And that usually comes from experience. You say, uh-uh, hey. <laughs> a head of the woman just looked down on me now and just said, at the rate you are going, I don't think you will stay long in dancehall. And then you look at that, and then experience has taught you that, well, that's the way he does, or that's the way she does. You just turn your back. I said, thank you, sir. And you just turn your back and say, Lord, <laughs> when I'm living dancehall, I'm living in one hole. It will be because I have better things to do with my life. I won't be booted out of here. And then you turn back and say, thank you, sir. I'm going to see you in the afternoon with what you said, the correction I, I should make. And the guy says, go, 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 just get out of here. And then you walk away tall again, just because you have defended that argument. You have put up an argument for why nobody can pull you down. I've, I've had people cry when people pull them down. Uh, come on, why will you cry? There was a girl that I was engaged to to be married, and I asked her why she would not marry me. She said, because you were a Muslim before you became a Christian. And my parents said that you might one day go back to Islam. And then somebody said that he saw me, I became an Elijah. So I felt that you are the only one who could make me an Elijah. I said, I said, it has nothing to do with me. He said, no, it doesn't. I'm not disrespectful. He said, no, I, I do not love you less. He said, no. Ah, I said, then I can roll out the drums. He said, is that what you will say? He said, ah, 
when you say hi, that's nothing to do with me now. Three days after, she landed in my house, in my office, and then she wanted the relationship back. Within those three days, I've recalculated, got myself together, and I looked at her straight in the eyes. I said, I'm sorry, we can't go back. And she started crying. I said, that's it. That's it. He said, if you love me sufficiently, you wouldn't have listened to what others have said. But love is supposed to be strong. I said, God has just shown me the way out. Tell your neighbor, stretch your mind, stretch your mind, stretch, stretch, stretch. Come on. All this, as it was in the beginning, so it is, so will it ever be, like without end. May the Lord have mercy upon you. Why would you want to have the same thinking that you had yesterday? The same experience that you had yesterday? Why are you not making progress? Why? Why? I beg you. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse, uh, verse 8. That verse of the scripture that you read all the time. I like to show you the kind of thinking that God wants us to have. All right, can we read it together? Those of you who are close enough to the screen. All right, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. One, two, go. What are the things? True. Okay, number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Number six. But, uh, number seven. Now the one. All right, the beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Look, we need to engage. Uh, you know, you, you, you can be simple-minded as a believer. The Bible says, mind not high things, but condescend to men of lower estate. But God is not saying we should be simplistic. Some of us are so simplistic. Have had people say, I'm not going to take vaccine because uh, uh, the mark of Antichrist. Ah. I just look at them like this and I said, ah, how can you be so simplistic? They said, they said, my pastor said that there is, there is something they put there. Okay, okay. And you went to school. You can look it up in the internet and find out what is the content. And somebody said, ah, it takes vaccine 10 years to develop. But this one, they develop it in, in only six months, less than one year. Ah. Then what is all the prayer that we pray? Lord, take away COVID, take away COVID, take away COVID, take away COVID. So, couldn't God have accelerated it just so that COVID will be a thing of the past? Little thinking, little thinking, little thinking. Oh, uh, somebody said 5G, 5G. Ah, when they roll out 5G, I would throw away my phone. Federal government has rolled, has rolled 5G last week. Alright, throw away your phone, no, because they say 5G is close to Antichrist. It's Antichrist. 5G is Antichrist. I hope you know. They have done a test in Abuja before. Now 5G has been rolled out in Nigeria last week. Those of you who have 
vow to throw away your phone, please throw away your phone so that we can have less congestion. We can have less congestion. Come on, stretch your mind, think. So, things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling. It has to be compelling. Let it be compelling. Ask questions from the Lord. Say, Lord, why are these students failing? Why is Kemi not doing well in class? What else can I do to raise the level of John? And instead of seeing 40 students in your class, you see 40 individuals. And you are concerned about each and every one of them. They become the prayer points in your home. And you are sweating over each of those lives. And some people are saying, these children, even if you help them, they will just go away. Some of them will even get better jobs than you. Eh, you better leave them. Whatever I can do is what I would do. No, sweat. Do something. Be compelling in your approaches. Give up your very best. Your mind is precious. It has the power to unlock infinite possibilities. The body achieves what the mind believes. Every thought we think is creating our future. Let's close. The ultimate attitude would be the attitude of the scripture. Let this book of the Lord not depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night then you will be able to make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Thank you. May the Lord help you. Thank you. A round of applause for him. A round of applause for Angela Bionu. A round of applause. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. You may be seated, please. At least we, we learned something that we are a creation of value. We have been created to solve problems. And you and I need the right attitude to be what God has destined us to be. For attitude is everything. I need to ask if we have one or two questions for Engineer Abiodun Fijabi before we go for our lunch break. Any question for him? Do you have any questions? In a short while, we'll be going for a lunch break. But before that, I want to assume that one or two persons have questions for him. Let me question. <laughs> At least I'm smiling. My attitude is changing. <laughs> no questions. Um, Mr. Innocent, do you have a question? Are you sure? <laughs> Any questions, please? Ms. Ogupati, do you have a question? No. Okay. Uh, Madam March, any questions? At all? Okay. Ojiti. Let me ask you. Answer the question. The only question I have is when is he coming back? Thank you, sir.
get in slides. Yeah, you'll get in slides. Yes. Okay, we shall be getting this. Yes, we're getting the slide before the end of the day. Now we have just been informed that we shall be getting the slides before the end of the day, and again um, the session will continue. After lunch, that will be by 2.30, I suppose. 2.30, that's when we'll be having the um, second version of the symposium.